Welcome to Nukoi Ikaliwa podcast, casual chat about uncasual things. I'm Luke. I'm Tona, and say again. Uh, Nukoi Ikaliwa. Yeah. It's Hawaiian. Oh. <laughs> for lights in the sky. So wow. I assumed you were well, fluent I'm, in Hawaiian these days. I know that uh, woman is wahine, which is the same <laughs> as Māori, and yeah. male is kane, and in Māori it's tane, so... Yeah, I know that. <laughs> it was on all the all the bathrooms I went to. Ah, yes. Not the women's bathrooms. I didn't go in there. That's like how the I Wahine know um, Banyo from being in LA. Because that's um, <laughs> Spanish for <laughs> toilet. Um, uh, I got caught in traffic on the way here, so I figured I'll um, do some Google Translates. Nice. Uh, it took me 45 minutes to get across town. It only takes me half an hour to get out to my satellite town, but wow. that's fine. Yeah. Um, this episode will be, uh, you probably realized when you downloaded it, it's going to be a truncated episode. We're, we're running on fumes. <laughs> we're running on fumes, is yep, one way to put it. The smell of an oily rag. <laughs> um, so, recording on my laptop, which... Um, Should we get a battery check? We got a battery check. We are sitting on... Oh, okay, that's 21%. But, okay. I've, but since I turned on Battery Saver, we might make it. We might so make it. This is going to be like a Top Gear episode. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. Will they or won't they? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, you're back from your holiday. No one noticed you were away. No. No, no offense, because we um, banked some episodes. So, uh, we had we had your, your annual leave covered. Um, highlights? Highlights. Uh, there was plenty of shopping. Oh, yes. So deals. Yeah. Uh, so this whole uh, Black Friday week. Racist. Was uh, was was um, was Lumen on mm-hmm. the agenda. Yeah. So yeah, good good bargains. Mm-hmm. And did you did you imbibe in said bargains? What? Huh? Is there noise going on? Is that? Is that like Alexa or something? Maybe. <laughs> I was like, someone else is speaking and it's not you or me. <laughs> yeah. It might be Alexa in the bedroom. I was trying to brush over it so that it was seamless, but no, nah, here we are. Um, so, no, it wasn't Tenacious D that I have open in another tab. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to rush through this. So any other highlights of the trip? Uh, rushing through them, uh, the circumcision of the of of oahu was yep. quite good that circumcised was, oahu yep. all the way around all the way around yeah <laughs> and uh yeah went for a swim at uh was it a relaxed beach that mm-hmm. uh, had had a hot hot tip in and on so that was great excellent and um yeah just strolled the streets of waikiki supported the striking hotel workers good so they were they'd sit there all night and just bang drums in front of the hotels because they're they saying a certain group isn't paying them the money they want and oh. they're saying one job should be enough so if you were staying at that hotel there was no one to do your rooms 
really your sheets anything like that you had to make your own bed yeah so appar- apparently the hotels just aren't charging people oh really yeah what, but so also, you got to stay for free no our hotel had settled oh. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're at the hilton so yeah okay. not the haunted hilton which i did go to as well which was okay. another highlight uh but yeah it was fun fun to get on board there. i tried i tried to order a um the morning star vegetarian whopper from bk yeah. Burger King, yeah, and the person I wanted from was just like, "What? What are you talking about?" I said, "On your board, the veggie veggie burger." She said, "We don't do a veggie burger. Like, what? You, you do. It's right up there. I've had it before." <laughs> so she had to go check with her supervisor and came back. Apparently, so. So, I imagine that wasn't the freshest burger. Interesting. <laughs> Patty must have been sitting there frozen for a long, long time. <laughs> the, the person who works doesn't even know they serve it. Yeah, so. He's worked there for four years. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, tons of candy. Lots and lots of candy. What, you bought lots or they have bought lots? Bought lots of candy. Really? So, yeah. Um, Pearl Harbor was good too. Okay. Uh, well, not not good not good for... The, the attack or... <laughs> not good for the people that were there on the day, but as a historical okay. reference, it was great. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I'd recommend. I'd recommend. Okay. Um, it was quite actually only, only like eight and a half hour flight from here. So quite quick. Eight and a half hours. Yeah. Mm, okay. Com- comparison to like the twelve or thirteen you normally fly to the states, so yeah, right. it felt quite quick. Mm. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> this still feels, sounds like a long time to me. Um, I guess comparatively, it's faster than getting to London. It's like a work day. <laughs> yeah, considering this this year I have done to the states and also through to London. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt a quick trip. So I guess in comparison to the trips I've done this year, it's mm. eh, shorter. Mm. Um, I have a swimming story uh, that I can... Uh, swarming? Swimming. Swimming. So you mentioned you went swimming. Went swimming. I've got one that I could segue n- nicely into that, but I'm going to circle back around to that. Okay. Circum- circumcise, circumcise yourself. <laughs> the next story. Yeah. Um, we had a um, uh, friend of the show, long-time listener, Jim, from the Talking Codswallop podcast, um, just tweeted, or well, not just, but tweeted us with this little tidbit. Um, it, this little tweet or two tweets reads, not lying. I just got proper spooked and this never happened. Went out for a ciggy and there was a creepy spooky wind ahead of me. There was something floating in the sky that looked like a tiny kite. Then it suddenly disappeared. Seconds later, a lady walked up the street in a creepy slow motion. Never put a ciggy out so fast. I don't get scared of anything that freaked me out. Wow. We encounter there. So it's sort of the um, quit-lying ghost. Yeah, the quit-lying ghost. Very good. So obviously... Um, Employing new tactics. Yeah. You need to either get on the patches or be <laughs> spooked. Um, yeah. Interesting. Very good. Thoughts on that? Uh, yeah. I'd Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> I can't really you talk got about nothing. it. You got no. nothing. Um, segue circumcising background to um, we'll just go with quit line ghost that's the best we can line do quit hashtag quit line ghost hashtag quit line ghost do they have do they have quit line everywhere else or is yeah, it just here I think so okay. it's the give up smoking line in case you totally missed that <laughs> yeah um, so here's you, 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 you would call and they would say Tanakwe you've taken the first step so the uh, <laughs> story I was uh, circumcising around to um I'm not sure if it's paranormal or not. Uh, I'll let you be the judge. Is this the main main meat of the sandwich? This or? isn't the main meat yet, unless we don't make it due to battery yeah, okay. issues, right. and then this will be the main meat. All right. 
It'd be like ordering a pastrami and then getting ham uh, as a starter and then the pastrami never shows up. Inquiries are going on after a huge spike in the volume of feces discovered in Omaru's swimming pool last month. <laughs> no. <laughs> code brown. Spike of code browns at Omaru swimming pool is the headline. Waitaki District Council... For those who don't know, Omaru is a uh, small town in, yeah. in New Zealand. Waitaki District Council Recreation Manager Eric Vanderspeck said the council was reviewing Waitaki Aquatic Centre security footage of the incidents that had all occurred at the same time of day each week. (laughs) We're actively monitoring and keeping an eye on the pool at that time of day, he said. We tend to have a few every year, but because it's been the same time each week for the past month, that's a huge spike. (laughs) There have been four or five incidents over the past month. Each, after each incident of fecal contamination, the pool was temporarily closed and cleaned. Uh, end of story. Is that paranormal or... Uh, poos are nor- normal, maybe? <laughs> I was uh, actually looking when I was, I was swimming in the hotel pool. Um, code browning in the hotel pool. I was, I was looking at the sign that talked about if there was a contamination scare, what they would oh, do. Yes. And I'm yeah. like, it's a code brown. That's very good. I hear that Disneyland have like their... their um, processes are just second to none they they'll swoop basically in. swoop in like the the crocodile hunter and dive on the thing and choke it out and then <laughs> um they put up rogue cones and stuff and no one's allowed in for half an hour um do you think in the case of omaru pool they said they closed it to clean it do you think they just closed it to say they're cleaning it just scooped it out <laughs> fished it out yeah yeah um yeah, I'm not sure. We should um, friend, friend of the show, J J M. Her um, yeah. her fiance is w- oh, works true, yeah. in the pools industry. Yeah. So um, yeah, she we can ask she, what happens yeah. in the event of a code brown. We might be quite good. We get some info there, some inside info about the code <laughs> brown. <laughs> Do you think that they have that same like close encounters style um, uh, way of measuring it, like? You know, a uh, close encounter of the first kind. You, you, it's like a more of a solid object. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so you, you, can, you maybe thought you saw something. Yeah. Or <laughs> it's just a nebulous brown cloud. Like the fourth kind is the actual contact where you swim into it and it gets in your mouth. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It enters in a, a bodily, bodily orifice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. probably does. Do you think they probably do? Yeah. 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 We'll, we'll ask. We'll clarify that. Okay, that's good. You follow that up and come back. <laughs> um so the other thing i wanted to touch on is i mentioned i have a new t-shirt yes i heard this um so this new t-shirt is awarded to um successful participants of the world's hottest ramen challenge you did it so you know ramen yes as in two minute noodles it's it's big it's a big thing it's a big thing uh this ramen i think it might catch on um yeah <laughs> so so cully's in new zealand made the world's hottest ramen not ethel mccully if you <laughs> if you were confused so the hottest ramen in the world uh is 1.6 million scoville units and the flavor packet is not small how big do you how big would you say that is that average <laughs> <laughs> it's not average? It's less, not average less than average it's about 10 centimeters oh <laughs> is that 10 centimeters it's not 12 inches i know that <laughs> damn okay <laughs> i've been kidding myself so there's a um 
a decent packet of um, this flavor sachet that has all of the heat in it, and it's essentially a few ground-up Carolina Reaper mm. chilies. So it's just a pureed Reaper, which is the hottest chili on the planet. So 1.6 million Scoville units, to put it in perspective, is um, uh, Tabasco sauce. Okay. Is about right. 2,500. Wow. Yeah. So this is next level hot. Um, so I did this uh, Friday last week when we didn't have oh, a record. Oh, day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you have to record yourself doing it. So I've got a video of me just slurping, burping, gasping, <laughs> sweating. Um, I wore this uh, heart rate monitor on my wrist the whole time I was doing it. And um, my resting heart rate before I started was 60 beats per minute. After my first mouthful, that instantly shot up to 110 beats per minute. Wow. Um, I was sweating. I couldn't really breathe. My breathing went like long hiccups. So it was like a... I'd breathe in and then it would get cut off. So it turned into like a... Holy crap. Um, this is horrific for your body. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, so I I just really wanted to do it. Yeah. <laughs> to challenge myself uh, because I'd seen people do it. And when I bought it, um, it said guaranteed unfinishable. And there's a bunch of videos online of people who fail this thing. And I like watching them now thinking I've got one over these people. Even like people with um, YouTube channels of like chili eating fail on these things. Um, so I've been doing some training, got some training noodles. So if you go on YouTube, there's world's hottest ramen. It's like this Korean, um, it was like this Korean uh, spicy thing that was something like 9,000 Scoville units. And I got a bunch of them and ate them. Um, they were kind of used to be the hottest until these ones just blew it out of the water. <laughs> but I'd eat, I'd add Carolina Reaper sauce to those ones as training so I could know what really hot is and what breathing techniques to use. Right. It's like a birthing class. I was about to say this, this is perfect <laughs> given what you're going into. Yeah. You might be able to take the class. Yeah. Um, so I... Um, yeah, I got to the point where I was eating them and handling it. So then decided to man up and go for these ones. And it wasn't fun. But I finished it in about 20 minutes. Um, and uh, from there, something strange happened. Oh. And I described it to a friend of mine who said, if I didn't know what you had eaten, I would assume it was acid. Because my actions <laughs> straight after eating this thing was, I'm breathing like a madman trying to get you know right. air and to cool right. me down i finished the noodles you have to put the bowl over your head upside down to you know show them that there's nothing left um and then as soon as i um stood up i went to the kitchen grabbed a bottle of milk which i had prepared earlier mm -hmm. hightailed it to the bathroom for some reason there's nothing in the bathroom for me i didn't need anything <laughs> i was okay. in the bathroom um started just drinking this milk um and then uh, shouted to my wife to get me an ice block that I knew was in the freezer. And she comes back with, um, there aren't any. And I knew there was, but I couldn't really speak. So I was like, no, no, they're in there. Um, <laughs> and I'm in the bathroom at this point. And because uh, it was, you know, not the warmest day, you wouldn't know you were in Hawaii. Exactly, it was very warm. Um, uh, that part of the house was blocked off from the fire. So it was quite cold. And so my whole body, I was sweating and felt like it was so, like, too hot. But because the room was actually cold, I started shivering. <laughs> and then I realized I'm shivering because it's actually cold in that room. 
and I'm downing like cold milk. And so then and I'm about, yeah, about to go for an ice block too. So, yeah, so then I um, turn on the bathroom heater and stand yeah. under it, which stops me shivering eventually. And meanwhile, um, I've managed to explain to Tamara, you know, three words at a time between breaths, um, that there are in fact ice blocks in the freezer. I knew because I put them there. To which she came back with, uh, I said, oh, there's some chalk bars. And you know what a chalk bar I is? It's like a, yes. an ice cream on a stick covered in chocolate. Yes. And my wife, for some reason, didn't that didn't register as what I was after because I asked for an ice block. She said, well, those aren't ice blocks. They're ice creams. <laughs> so like, yeah, it's not the time for <laughs> exactly <laughs> to be pedantic. Like, yeah, we don't have time to argue about this. Um, so <laughs> Just give me eventually- something fucking cold. <laughs> That was exactly it. And so... Like, um, and shove it in at this hole. <laughs> so she hands me um, an ice cream on a stick, mm. not an ice block. Glad we clarified that one. Yeah. And um, I start just chew- biting into it. I'm one of those people who can't chew ice cream, but in this case, I couldn't really feel my mouth. So <laughs> I was just chewing it. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a licker. I'm a licker. But yeah. um, just because it's very sensitive With teeth. With ice creams? Or? Very sensitive teeth. Yeah. 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 Sensitive yeah. teeth yeah. when sensitive, it comes to... Teeth. Ice creams. Ice creams. Um, so, got that, got that one eaten in record time, and loaded up the next one. <laughs> Smashed that down too, <laughs> and eventually it turned into instead of um, hyperventilating and needing to um, be chewing ice cream, I could just kind of sip away at milk, and eventually the feeling went away. But then it turned into like a burning in oh, my stomach, sort of progressed, like a warmth. Yeah. Like if you had a, a a lot of whiskey or something, and you feel the warmth, yeah. warmth in your tummy. It was like a warmth in my tummy, <laughs> which was fine. Um, which was fine because yeah, and it must have given me a heap of adrenaline because I was up till like one o'clock. I ended up watching you know sports or whatever because I, I was just in no mood to go to sleep after that. I was wired, and then um, then five a.m. came around. And the burning had moved from my stomach lower. Lower. I was thinking, <laughs> did you find a local pool and evacuate <laughs> into it? Um, and then some stuff happened and um, <laughs> I went in. I was up early for the cricket. <laughs> New Zealand was playing uh, Pakistan. So, so this was Saturday I woke morning, up at five. And, yeah, I woke yeah. up at five and uh, yeah, I'm glad it wasn't a work day. <laughs> yeah, it's good since you did that. <laughs> woke up at five and uh, then about 5.30 I was on the couch <laughs> and, and kind of like just dozing there. And um, yeah, the rest of the next day it was just kind of a warmth in my um, tummy. And then it went away and I was fine. We got a t-shirt. And I got a t-shirt. So that was that. Very good. That was my adventure into the culinary world. But yeah, that was horrific. I'm pretty proud of you. I don't think I'll do that again. No, but I'm pretty proud of you actually doing it given the amount of failure. Thanks, man. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that was quite cool to see everyone fail after me. All right. How are we doing on uh, for the fuel? Uh, Battery check. Let's go for fifteen percent remaining. Ooh, okay, not too There's bad. Be a photo finish. Yeah, it says forty-five minutes. I think um, it's probably not right, given no. that um, it said an hour and ten minutes about fifteen minutes ago. Okay. Um, oh, one other thing before I jump into my final question. No, actually, I'll save that. And it's not a question; it's an article. Let's move on. Okay. I'm going to attempt to deliver my story for the week 
uh, for new listeners to the show, uh, once a week, one of us will bring a story in to educate the other on. Um, this week's my week, uh, since Tony was slacking off circumcising islands. And so this week, I am going to educate you on the scoutmaster that had a run-in with a UFO. Full stop. The kids saw it too. Oh, that's good. Good. Always good to have a witness. So this one comes from the credible source, the History Channel. Ah, oh. you've heard of a History Channel? It's on my Sky TV package. Is it? Yeah. Oh yeah, Project Blue Book's out early next year. Oh, cool. Yeah, I've added it to my not Sky package. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, on a humid August night in 1952, Scoutmaster D.S. Desvages aka Sunny, emerged burned and barely coherent from a dense palmetto grove in the South Florida Everglades. He claimed that he had encountered an unidentified flying object that discharged a fireball, which left him singed and barely able to see. There's more dodgy discharge going on. There's this discharges all over the place. Yeah, this is a big subject on the episode. <laughs> <laughs> you, Amaru, Sunny, Bring me into this. <laughs> Captain Ruppel, chief UFO investigator for the U.S. Air Force, would later label the event the best hoax in UFO history. But the Sunny incident, because I'm not going to go with his Desverger's name, <laughs> remains one of the most intriguing cases from Project Blue Book. The Air Force has now deca- declassified investigations into UFOs, because it wasn't just a sighting incident, but one involving a purported attack. To this day, it's still unsolved. i got to say, this is... And I know a lot about UFO sightings. I've read a lot of them. This is news to me. A series of investigations conducted by the US Air Force between 1952 and 1969, your favourite year, Project Blue Book was, was scientifically... was tasked with scientifically analysing UFO-related incidents to determine whether they were a threat to national security or news to Tony. Hmm. Some say the project was commissioned to find rational explanations for these mysterious phenomena to help quell a growing Cold War-era public hysteria over unidentified objects in the sky. UFO fever reached such intensity, you could almost say a flap, couldn't you? (laughs) UFO fever, although that's more sightings than just hysteria. UFO fever reached such such intensity that in April 1952, four months before the Sunny incident, Life magazine published a story called Have We Visitors from Space? Doesn't sound like it's right, but I get what they mean. In the 50s, they kind of would talk like that. Have we Christmas dinner? Pulling over to inspect a bright flash of light. This section is entitled, as Ruppelt would later chronicle in his 1956 book, The Report on Unidentified Flying Objects. Again, a really creative title. Mm. Mm -hmm. On the evening of August 19th, 10 days after Luke's birthday, but many years before he was born in 1952, a hardware store clerk and scoutmaster, Sonny, 30, was driving a group of Boy Scouts home when he saw a bright light flash over a military trail near West Palm Beach, Florida. Thinking it may be a downed plane or car accident, Sonny pulled onto the shoulder of the highway so he could take a closer look. Armed with a machete and flashlights, he entered the Palmetto Grove, 
where he saw the lights. Leaving the three boys in the vehicle with instructions to alert the residents of a nearby farmhouse if he didn't return in 15 minutes. According to the declassified documents, after about four minutes of hacking through the bush, he entered a clearing in the grove. The first thing he described was an acute, nauseating smell, and then the feeling of somebody or something watching him. He next experienced a sensation of oven-like heat coming from above. Looking up, he said, he could not see any stars as he was standing beneath a hovering object. The object was circular, Sonny recounted. Dull black with no seams, about 30 feet in diameter, with a height of 10 feet. A convex dome atop it and the bottom edge lit with a phosphorescent glow. Man, you love phosphorescent glow. I think this sounds a lot like your experience with your ramen. <laughs> <laughs> There's definitely a phosphorescent glow yeah. at certain points. Um, <laughs> the, the, the next line also lines up. Enveloped by a red mist. What happened next is what separates Sonny's encounter from thousands of other UFO sightings. As he slowly moved backward, he recalled, he heard a noise like metal against metal, like a hatch opening. After which a red flare-like light came from the side of the object and slowly moved towards him. Uh, Sonny constantly referred to it as a ship when recounting the tale to the authorities. As he placed his hands over his face... Fists closed, hand over each eye, the red ball of light grew into a red mist, engulfing him. It was then he recounted that he lost consciousness. When he awoke, Sonny said, he was leaning against a tree, but couldn't see properly as his eyes burned. Scrambling back through the palmettos, his eyesight slowly returned to normal. He burst incoherent out into the highway, where he was met by the boys and local authorities. The three scouts, Bobby Ruffing, David Rowan, and Chuck Stevens, 12, 11, and 10, remained in the car after Sonny entered the grove. Later, in recounting what he witnessed to authorities, Ruffing said he initially saw a semicircle of white lights descending into the trees. Ruffing also recounted seeing a red light through the bush, as did Rowan and Stevens, who, who told of also seeing Sonny's flashlight through the trees before going dark. That's when the scouts headed to the nearby farmhouse for help. A Palm Beach County deputy and Lake Worth constable reported to the farmer's call. Responded to the farmer's call for assistance. This is hotting up. Returning to the site of the abandoned vehicle almost an hour after Sonny first said he saw the lights, the officers and scouts witnessed the scoutmaster emerge from the palmettos, waving his machete and babbling incoherently. <laughs> I was kind of babbling incoherently yes, for us, boys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you should have said ice creams. I should have said ice mm. creams and we wouldn't have had any of that mess. In all my 19 years of law enforcement work, I've never seen anyone as terrified as he was, the deputy is recorded as saying in Ruppelt's investigation. Back at the Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office, Sonny and the boys went under, underwent questioning. Officers noted that the hair on Sonny's forearms was singed and the skin burned. Ow. I know the feeling. They also noted three tiny burn holes. I know the feeling. <laughs> and the bill of the Scoutmaster's cap. Following procedure, the local authorities contacted relevant agencies with the incident report, which eventually made its way to Blue Book Chief Ruppelt. 
He later described the case as one of the weirdest UFO reports he ever came up against. Taking into account the background checks on Sonny along with a, along with a return visit to the encounter site where he determined the Boy Scouts could not have witnessed his uh, mysterious red light in the grove due to their distance and denseness of the foliage, Ruppert will la- would later call the entire event a host, a hoax. A host. <laughs> <laughs> and he later still would call it a hoax. Sonny was painted as an opportunist and a media-hungry con man who oh. sold his story to the American Weekly newspaper the following year. The Ruppelt would come to believe the tale was fabricated and he and his team would come up with dozens of ways the event could have been staged. They never managed to prove the incident was in fact a hoax. Their biggest stumbling block, the grass samples taken at the site. After samples from the Florida clearing were sent to Battelle Memorial Institute, agronomists made some interesting findings. Though the soil remained consistent, the root structure of the plants in question were charred, charred black and the lower leaves had deteriorated as if by heat. The only way the lab could come close to duplicating the effect was to place live clumps of grass in a pan of sandy soil and heat it to about 300 degrees Fahrenheit. Though Wilson has witnessed singed grass in his investigations into ground phenomenon, it's always been an occurrence above the soil, never the roots, as the lab findings in the sunny case indicate. Wilson says this is the only recorded example of such findings of which he is aware. Little um, smoking gun, mm, if you will. Of, yeah, but a bit of science there, mm-hmm. proving that um, yeah, it's probably not. Uh, yeah, scoutmaster hoaxing it. The um, but just conveniently forget that, exclude that. Don't want, don't worry explaining it. It's, it's very typical of, of some of those blue book explanations well yeah to his credit the blue book thing um he had one final quote oh i'm getting a low battery warning one final quote that said something unusual happened to the guy and the physical evidence backed him up um that's why i put in the effort to checking this out why would you go to the trouble of faking something like this why and how would he even stage that it doesn't make sense drop the mic before the battery dies <laughs> should i knock my mic stand over so you always have to tell me to do quick strange quick, quick strange. strange let's okay. get into a quick strange uh i've got a little exclamation mark over my battery now get the music get the music going it's going okay three two one i need the opener oh quick uh, quick this is the express the opener sh- the express opener this is the segment of the, the show express version where we take the 1985 reader 1982 reader's digest version of mysteries of the you unexplained birthday accidentally <laughs> 1982 reads the digest version of Mysteries of the Unexplained. Tony will flick to a random page. I'll tell him when to stop. And we'll read one of the random stories on the page. This is the segment we call... <laughs> Give me some strange. Give me some strange. Here we go. Flicking. A short one. Find a short one on that page. Stop. The... Oh, wait. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. What are we in? What are we in? What are we in? Appearances and disappearances. This is like the disappearing battery charge. Okay. The James B. Chester unlike the oh no oh no i can't read this one without the previous one oh no <laughs> okay here we go the mississippi river boat iron mountain more than 180 feet long and towing barges loaded with a cargo of cotton and molasses set out from june 1872 from vicksburg later the barges came floating downstream the tow rope had been caught sorry had been cut rather than snapped or cast off no one ever saw the iron mountain or her 52 passengers again no trace of wreckage or floating cargo from the riverboat's deck was ever found on that note we'll call that another episode of what do i call it lights in the sky podcast uh catch you next week toodaloo